if you remember back to last week, we looked at the parable of the rich fool. And there we saw uh, how all of us, no matter what our walk in life is, no matter who we are, we all struggle with greed. Because greed's a silent killer. Uh, it, it blinds itself to its victims and makes us believe that we actually aren't greedy. But Jesus talks more about greed than anything else in the Bible. And so, if that's true of first century Jewish Christians, then it's certainly true for us living in the 21st century that we struggle with greed. And so we talked about money last week, and that's what we're going to talk about again today. But we're going to do so from a positive spin. And let me explain. Normally when you come to church, as I said at the beginning of the service, normally when you come to church, you hear what? God good. Money bad. And yet that's not the case. Uh, if you read the Bible, there are plenty of wealthy people in the Bible, from Abraham to Job uh, to so many people in the Bible that had wealth. And so it's not money that's the issue, right? Money can be a good thing. Wealth can be a good thing. Possessions can be a good thing. And today we're going to tackle how so, because that's what Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 16. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Luke chapter 16, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about possessions, and we're going to see what Jesus' story reveals about our hearts. So we're in Luke chapter 16. If you want to open up your Bibles uh, or your app, your phone app, and you can follow along. Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Jesus told his disciples, There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, What shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, Take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the, dishon the, the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more uh, shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Have you heard the one of the manager who was cooking the books? That's how Jesus starts his parable. He says, have you heard of the one where the, the rich man, the rich master had a manager who was cooking the books, who, who was a dishonest manager? Word had gotten around that this manager was mishandling the master's money. And so he called him in and he said, that's it. Show me the books. Open up the account. We're going to go through it. Turns out, it's true. Pack your bags. You can't be my manager any longer. Here's your pink slip. Get your box. Clear out your desk. We're moving on. And here, the manager says, oh no. What am I going to do? He openly admits he's a weakling. He can't dig. He's not strong enough to dig. Apparently, 
hard work was not in his vocabulary. Uh, he, he can't, he's too ashamed to beg. And after the word gets out that he mismanaged this master's books, he's going to be out of the business world too. So what is going to be his future? How is he going to secure his future? He goes, I know. I've got a plan. And he, sits, he goes to his debtors, his master's debtors, and says, take your bill. The first one, take your bill, cut it in half. Second one, take your bill, strike it by 20%. This is my plan, he said. I'm going to make friends with these people so that when my job comes to an end, when the day of reckoning comes, when my desk is cleared out, I've made friends for myself who will welcome me into their home. This manager might not be the most honest. He might not be the most organized. He may uh, have mismanaged the books. But he acted wisely. He was acting smart. He acted quickly. And maybe the most confusing part of all this is the very end of the story, where the master actually commends the servant for doing, for acting shrewdly. It doesn't really make sense. Why would the manager openly admit and commend a servant who just, uh, who just robbed him of a full bill? People, commentators give all kinds of answers. Maybe one, maybe he slashed the commission. So he slashed his own commission from these prices. Two, maybe the manager was gorging the prices. And so the product actually wasn't worth this much. And the manager really couldn't say anything because if he did, people would know you've been gorging prices. Maybe it's just the fact that the manager, a businessman himself, recognizes when somebody acts in their best interest in a business deal. And he simply commends him. Either way, this manager, the shrewd manager, takes the time and the resources that he has to make friends for himself to secure his future. And here's how Jesus applies the story to you and me. Verse 9. I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Use earthly wealth, worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This is one of the most confusing parables that Jesus told. It's one of the hardest. And honestly, it's because the hero of the story, the quote-unquote hero of the story, he's, he's not really the greatest guy. He, he mismanaged his boss's accounts. He's untrustworthy. He's not loyal. He's kind of this salesman that we don't really feel comfortable with. And then the, the boss commends him, and so how does this all work, and what's the main point? This is a story where we can get lost in a lot of details that Jesus doesn't actually tell us. And, and so instead of getting down into the weeds of the story, let's stay 40,000 feet up in the air, so to speak. What is the main point of this story? Here it is. The shrewd manager knew that the day of reckoning was coming. 
And he used the time, his time and his resources available to him to secure his future, to make friends, to secure his future. That's the main point of the parable. And Jesus applies that to us. Use worldly wealth to gain friends so that you are welcome into an eternal dwelling. So if that's the main point of the parable, the main point being that he used his time and his resources before the day of reckoning came to make friends for himself to secure his future, what can we learn for, for what can we learn from it for ourselves? I got two points for you today. Number one, we are managers of God's possessions. We are managers of God's possessions. The really good thing about Jesus' parables is that he kind of shakes us out of our false reality and brings us back into actual reality. Uh, and you think about that in all his parables. We think one way, and then he tells a story, and we're, we see it a whole different way, God's way. And that's what he does here. We are God's managers. Everything we have, God has placed into our lives. You think all the way back from Genesis chapter 1, where he creates creation, the earth, everything in the world in six days, and then what's he do? He hands it over to Adam and Eve to manage it. The same is true in your life. Every blessing that you have, every gift that you have, is from God. It's all His. And we are simply managers. And we see the false reality that we live in by the language that we use. Think about it. When we talk about our stuff, how do we say it? My money, my bank account, my house, my body, my family, my car. But everything we just listed really comes from God. God's possessions, he gives to us to manage. And so if we really wanted to talk technically about it, if we really wanted to talk accurately about it, we'd say this. The money God entrusted me with. The bank account God entrusted me with. The body God entrusted me with. The family God entrusted me with. The car, the house that God entrusted me with. Now, we don't do that because we go around sounding like weirdos. Uh, nobody talks like that. Uh, but it would be accurate, wouldn't it? It would be accurate. And it would help shift our mindset and put possessions in its right place. And what's the right place? They're not ours. Every possession we have is from God. We simply are managers of it. We are stewards of God's resources. And we might not like that at first. We might not like hearing that because we are entitled people. And we think, I worked for that. It's mine. I worked for it. No, it's God's and he's blessed you with it. But consider how great of a blessing it is to be God's steward. It's not like you put in your resume to be God's steward. It's not like you applied for the job. It was never even on your radar because you were working for the opposite company. You're working for the, the dominion of darkness and your boss was the devil. And you were very successful in that career. You were very successful working for that company because that company is all about self. 
all about making it for you. You were great at being deceitful. You were great at lying to make the deal. You were great at storing up for yourself. You were great at climbing the hellish ladder and getting above everyone else, trampling on everyone. You were great at living in the here and now and not worrying about the future, not realizing that your future was eternal death and hell. And you were good at it. So was I. And yet then, God called you by the gospel. Here's how he puts it in Colossians 1:13. For he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. While you were working actively and hard in the devil's kingdom, in the devil's company, God saw you, he loved you, and he rescued you. How did he do it? Through the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In him, God generously paid the price to have you as his own, to bring you into his company, to make you a child of light, to give you the forgiveness of sins so that you are an eternal friend of God. God now says, you are part of my company. You are part of my kingdom. You are the chi- a child of the light. You are no longer part of the darkness. You are my child. And God says, I'm going to entrust you with my wealth. I'm going to entrust you with my possessions. For what? And this is the second point we learn from this story. Number two, God entrusts his wealth to us, his possessions, to use our time and resources to make eternal friends. The, the shrewd manager, we have to give him credit. He was realistic about the situation, and his situation was that a day of reckoning was coming. There was no doubts about it. The end was near for his employment in this company. And so what did he do? He used his time and his resources to make friends for himself. So that when he lost his job, those friends would welcome them into his home and his future would be secure. You are a child of the light. God has brought you into his family through the forgiveness of sins, through the redemption that comes through Christ Jesus. Your future is secure because of him. However, there's a lot of people whose futures aren't secure. There's a lot of families outside the walls of Divine Savior Church. There's a lot of families outside the walls of the house that you are living in right now, maybe even your neighbors, who don't know the love of Christ, who don't know that if if the day of reckoning came right now, that they would be spending eternal, uh, the eternity in hell. You and I, as children of the light, We live in reality. And what's reality? The day of reckoning could come at any moment. And God has given us time and resources to use, his time and his resources to use to make eternal friends for us. And notice what God says, or Jesus says. They will welcome you 
into eternal dwellings. When we use our our time and our resources to assist the poor, to assist the spreading of the gospel worldwide, to assist a local congregation in their mission to spread the news of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, and through him and him alone, heaven is theirs. As we support with the resources and we're good managers, Jesus says that they will welcome us into eternity. He, he, he kind of paints this picture, doesn't he? He paints this picture of Jesus being at the gate of heaven and behind him is a parade of people waiting to hug you because you've used the resources that God gave you. And through those resources that you faithfully managed and support the spread of the gospel, they heard about Jesus. We recognize, just like this shrewd manager, we recognize the day of reckoning is coming. And we recognize the reality that we have time and resources that aren't ours, that God has given us. And we want to make friends with it. We want to be faithful managers of it to spread the gospel message. There's a story of uh, a salesman. The, The salesman was new to this company. A boss hired a brand new salesman. And the, the boss gave all of his salesmen an allowance every week. And that allowance was to go to take clients out for lunch and dinner and to, to bring in a sale, bring in new clients. And uh, as long as he was taking a client out to lunch or dinner, he could also pay for his own meal that way too. Well, after several months of this new salesman being part of the company, the boss realized this guy hasn't brought in one single sale. Not one new client has come from this guy. And so he starts looking at the books, starts digging in, and what's he find out? This salesman has been eating lunch and dinner on the company without taking any clients out and then banking the leftovers for himself. And so what do you think the boss did? He fired him. You're not bringing any other clients into the company. Are you kidding me? You're just keeping the allowance for yourself. If God were to open up your accounts and the resources that he's given you, what would he see? A shrewd manager who's using the resources and time that he has to spread the gospel message and and make eternal friends? Or does he see a salesman who's keeping the allowance for himself or herself? Maybe it's something to consider. Uh, Maybe it's something to consider this question. What would God commend you for at the end of the world? For having a bank account, being debt-free, having a bank account that you can sit on, or for using the time and resources that he's given you to make eternal friends? The answer's clear on verse 9, isn't it? In verse 9, Jesus says, Use worldly wealth to make friends for yourself that will welcome you into eternal dwellings. And yet the temptation is to really mismanage the books, isn't it? The temptation is great to, to keep the allowance for ourselves, and at times we do. At times we have. And God knows every time, because God doesn't have to open the books. He just knows. And what should God do? 
what any good boss does. Give us our, our brown box to pack our things and leave the company. And yet our God doesn't. Our God's not like any other God. Instead, our God is patient and he comes and he says, let me give you more training. Let me give you more training. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back. We're going to start back at the beginning and we're going to look at how the boss runs the company. Because just like any, any good company, it takes on the attitude of the leader. And what do we see from the leader of our company? We see the generosity of God. We see the generosity of God that he would rescue you. In order to rescue you, he would give up, generously give up his son to make you his eternal friend. Think about that. Think about that. God gives up his one and only son to forgive you of your sins, to make you his eternal friend. He says, let's go learn more about this. Let's start over from the beginning and learn about how I've forgiven you. I've taken away your sin. I've generously done that. And the more you grow in that, the more you hear that, the more you take it in, the more you realize just how generous God is for you that he keeps forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. The more we see how we can be faithful, shrewd managers of what God has given us and spread that message to more and more people. We want more people to know that they are eternal friends with God too through Jesus. You want to see possessions in a, in a healthy light, in, in a good light? That's how we see them. These possessions and wealth are gods that he entrusts us with to spread the message of Jesus to more and more people. That's a positive way of looking at it. And it's a way that Kevin Zeitler looks at it. Is that name ringing a bell? Kevin Zeitler is a professional football player. He just so happens to be a member at one of our Lutheran churches in Wisconsin. One of our pastors, uh, our pastor in Doral, Florida, at our Divine Savior campus there, he had the privilege of, of knowing Kevin growing up in high school and in, while he played in college. You remember a, conver- a conversation that he had with Kevin? And, and Kevin doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he, he has a strict diet, uh, he doesn't go out much, he just works out, and he works out and he works out. And even back then, he told Pastor, it's because he knows that he has about 10 good years in the NFL to make as much money as possible. And we would say, yeah, that makes sense. But his reason why is what makes him stand out. He said, I have 10 good years in the NFL to make as much money as I can because with that money, I can impact the kingdom. I can help more and more people learn about the Savior You see, Kevin realized that he doesn't necessarily have the gifts for a pastor or teacher, but he has the gift of pushing around 350-pound linemen, and he's very good at it. Just a couple of years ago, in 2017, Kevin signed a five-year, $60 million contract uh, to be the the highest-paid guard in the NFL at the time. And he's doing a lot of good, impacting the kingdom with that money. You may not have the gift to be a pastor or teacher, but God has blessed you incredibly. 
He's entrusted you with the time and resources that you do have so that you can participate in the gospel ministry as well, so that you can make eternal friends through what God has given you as you faithfully manage God's possessions. And then what a day it'll be. What a day it will be when you enter heaven and at the gate is Jesus and right behind him is every soul that you touched with, from, because you faithfully managed God's possessions. As you walk down that, that parade waiting for you, there will be people there that you've never met but will come up and give you a hug and say, thank you. Thank you for being a faithful manager so that I could hear about Jesus. Let's pray, asking God's blessings on that. Heavenly Father, uh, you have blessed us all incredibly, abundantly, and uh, what an amazing gift that we don't have to be pastors or teachers to make an impact in someone's life. Uh, And not just an impact here on earth, but eternally. You give us the opportunity in all of our vocations to do just that. Help us use our time and our resources faithfully. Let us be good managers of it. uh, And let us use what you have blessed us with and entrusted us with to make more and more disciples, to spread that message of Jesus to more and more people. Shift our mindset from uh, the things of this world being ours to being your possessions that we just get entrusted with and that we get to manage. And then help us do so faithfully. Uh, Let us realize uh, the responsibility it is and and the privilege it is. And then help us to, to use those things for your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. It's in his name that we join to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. In Numbers chapter 6, God instructed Aaron the high priest that as the the Israelites were leaving the tabernacle, he was to raise his hand and bless the people with the Lord's name so that they knew the Lord was going with them. We're going to end our service the same way so you know the Lord's going with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.